It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and as always, I got my co-host, Matt, here with me. We are ready to finish up our position preview ahead of the 2022 NFL Draft, get through the last handful of positions here on defense. Today, we're going to be going over the linebackers as well as the cornerbacks and the safeties rounding out the defensive side of the ball, finishing up uh, with the positions ahead of the draft on Thursday. Matt, I am so excited for this draft to get here. I'm so excited to break down all of these future Jets players and who they're actually going to take. And the endless discourse over what to do at four and 10 can finally come to an end and we can move on. Um, let's get right into it. I know you're excited. I'm excited as well. Who's going to be your first guy at linebacker. We'll start there uh, that you want to highlight as a potential jets option at linebackers. They still need some bodies there. Still need some bodies there right now. We have what two starters at most with uh, Quincy at and CJ at most uh, Sherwood. He's probably not going to be back till maybe October at least maybe. Uh, best case scenario yeah so yeah we need some some bodies there uh we brought in some uh some guys off the street recently um but we still need a lot more there uh so i'm gonna go with my first guy christian harris uh from alabama uh this guy really impressed me uh i like his athletic profile he's very fast uh, and he's very strong at the point of attack uh we were talking before the show that his size is not the, that big. He's about 6'1", 220. Um, but he has the strength to really hold up against uh, bigger linemen uh, and not really be pushed off his spot. Uh, he's able to stack and shed very well. Um, I, I like his click and close ability. Uh, he's, he takes very deliberate and focused routes uh, to get to the ball carrier. Um it's good to see. I, I like guys that can really see through the mess and and really find that 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 path to 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 get to where he needs to go. Takes mm-hmm. good angles, um, and uh, that, again, that speed and explosion uh, will really help uh, in our defense uh, to really uh, hit those holes hard. Uh, I, I really like Chris Harris. Uh, what do you uh, think about him? Yeah, I like him a lot, too. Um, I actually think he's a little bit underrated um, in this class overall. Um, 
a lot of the things that Nicobe Dean does really well, Christian Harris does the same things just as good. Uh, maybe not exactly to the same level of speed uh, or explosion of Nicobe Dean, but it's not far off. Um, and his instincts are certainly there. Um, if you are going to be the play caller for Nick Saban, you got to know what's going on around you. And the fact that he ran the mic uh, position for Saban, made the defensive calls in that defense, speaks to his football IQ, speaks to his intelligence, and it shows up on tape with his instincts. He's usually not out of position, um, pretty aware of where the ball is. And you mentioned his angles. Uh, his angles in pursuit are fantastic. His ability to to find the right lane and judge and know when to explode and when to break down and, and when to completely and totally go balls to the wall of the sideline or when to get over top so that he doesn't miss the tackle. It's it's really, really well, to, um, really, really well, uh, well made, well thought out. I really like his uh, ability a lot. He's been one of my favorites of this linebacker group that I think is a little overrated or uh, underrated, excuse me, um, underrated overall. But yeah, I like Christian Harris a lot. I think he would be a solid fit as a will for us. Um, it would be a little bit different of a defensive scheme for what he's used to at Alabama. Um, but I don't think it would be so different to where he couldn't do it. And if anything, it's simpler. So he should have an easy time figuring it out. It's Yeah, he's he's got a lot of traits that fit what we do rather Definitely. than playing the exact same system that we play. Um, and I, I look for guys that have that hard nose. Uh, tr- uh, look to him uh, at the the point of attack, while also having the speed to to hang in coverage as well and go sideline to sideline. Uh, I've seen him constantly go be hang with uh, with backs and and tight ends uh, going all the way downfield. Uh, so I, I think he does a lot that we ask for. Yeah, I think so too. Um, he definitely, like you said, has the translatable traits. Um, that where he should be able to slide into our system and make a solid fit. Um, you had mentioned the Jets needing bodies at linebacker, and you're 100% right about that. They only have six uh, on their roster right now. Um, if you look at the names, there's only one new new name. So they signed Jacob Martin, um, who they're listing as a linebacker, who very well might be more of a reserve pass rusher, kind of linebacker, D and hybrid. Uh, outside of that, it's Hamza Nasraldeen and Jamie and Sherwood, who were the two draft picks last year that converted safeties. Delshawn Phillips, who was a reserve player who got some playing time this year um, that Robert Sal was decently high on. And then the two starters in CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams. So we don't know really what is going to happen with Sherwood with his injury. We don't know how Hamza is developing. And if he's staying healthy, we know what Delshawn Phillips is. He's a backup caliber player. You know, there really isn't a lot here. There's a wide open job. Even Quincy Williams, as good as he played last year and as confident as I am in him progressing in this defense and getting better, I don't think his spot is outright secured. Um, So there is the question, getting back to Christian Harris and getting into some of the other guys we might talk about, how early are you going to take a linebacker? Where does it make sense to draft this position? Because it definitely is a need. I wouldn't say it's as pressing of a need as some of our other top positions, but if the right player was there, if availability lined up, I wouldn't be opposed to using one of our second round picks on a linebacker if the system fit and everything works out. The player value is there and there aren't any other obvious players left on the board to take. I could definitely see them using 35 or 38 on this position. Yep. And that's uh, right around. Well, I, I, I have Harris as more of the 40. Yeah, uh, that'd be range. a little early for him, but not egregiously. So no, not not too early. Uh, but again. This coaching staff uh, really prides themselves on really developing these linebackers out of nowhere. Uh, so 
I can see them maybe addressing this just because uh, it's still very much a need. Uh, but at the same time, I see them more looking to fill this uh, these holes a little later on in the mid rounds. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it's hard for me to get an exact read on how much they value the position in terms of draft allocation and how much they value their ability to coach the position up. Because I go back to last year when we were all sitting there absolutely stunned that they passed on Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa with their second round pick. I think it was 39th overall last year. Um, Granted, they took Elijah Moore, and we're all very happy about that. And I think all of us, including Vitor at the time, uh, after that was made, we did our draft wrap-up, sat there and said, you know, we're upset that we didn't get JOK, but if you're going to get Elijah Moore uh, and Elijah Vera Tucker, we'll live with it. The question with JOK was his his health. He, uh, yeah, he had potentially a heart issue that had scared some teams, um, had made some teams question as well as he had a knee issue that he was recovering from. And then later on in the draft, uh, I remember um, Jabril Cox, uh, who was an LSU player. We're going to talk about another LSU guy here in a minute. But Jabril Cox was another LSU linebacker that we saw that fit size, speed, coverage, all of that from a profile stance. And he was available sometime in the fourth round. And we really thought that he would be a target for the Jets, especially that late, uh, that further on down. And they ended up taking Michael Carter, where again, it's did the Jets value these players in that spot and just happen to value these other offensive players higher to where they felt like they couldn't pass on them. And the Jets kind of went further down on their linebacker board than we thought. Or were they really holding off and targeting guys like Sherwood and Hamza Nasruddin to be their linebackers from the start. So that's kind of where I'm trying to figure out. I think this draft will be a good indicator for us because a lot of these top guys don't have those other injury questions that may make the waters a little murky. Even Drew Bill Cox was coming off uh, an injury. Um, So you could kind of understand from that aspect. And with the Jets injury history last year and times before that, I really don't think you're going to see them target too many players that have injury histories in their past. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, with the injury problems that we had, uh, going after more injury problems uh, doesn't really breed success. Um, yeah, I uh, the way they talk about Sherwood made me believe that they were targeting him the whole time. And they uh, overdrafted him compared to where the rest of the NFL um, and where a lot of people expected him to go. He was an early fifth-round pick. A lot of people were putting in the sixth or seventh round. Yeah, it could, he might have even gone undrafted, maybe. It's possible. It's possible. So I I think they're going to maybe do the same this year and really pick out the the diamond in the rough uh, that can maybe drop into the, the fifth or sixth round. Well, we don't have a sixth round pick right now. Yeah. But uh, in the fourth or fifth round, at least. I think that's going to be the, the target area. Um, is going to be probably once that first fourth round pick, I think it's 111. Um, because I think they have they have two fourths and two fifths. I they have at least two fifths. Yes. I don't remember exactly fourths, how it goes fifths. at the end. I thought so. I it's 111, um, 117. Right. Uh, I forgot the fifth round picks, but yeah. That range is where I really think you're gonna see them target this position. And that's gonna lead me to my first guy, where if he's available at 111, and it's not a guarantee, but I do think there is a chance. If Brandon Smith from Penn State is available at 111, I think that's going to be you run the card in and you don't look back. And this will be the guy they start to develop because he has the athletic profile of Robert Sala and Jeff Ulmerich's dreams. Uh, he's humongous. He's, I believe, 6'5", uh, if not close to it, 6'4", about 240, 245 pounds, absolutely blazing. 
one of the faster linebackers in this class on tape and on the track um, is a hard hitter comes downhill with ferocity. Uh, he's able to play okay in coverage. Um, it's not absolutely his best uh, attribute, but he's definitely got the athleticism for it. Um, and you just look at his RAS, which we know is huge to the jets overall, and especially Joe Douglas, 9.99 at linebacker mm. out of 10. Um was official listing six, three and a half, 250 pounds, had a 37 and a half inch vertical, ran a four, five, two. Um, dude is a, a freight train and he is a big freight train is very similar athletic movements when I watch him on tape. And this is just in the ability to move. This is the only comparison I am making here. And that's it just in their body type and their ability to move at that size. He looks like Fred Warner. He's got the same sort of loose hips, the longer arms, the height, thick frame, thick legs. Uh, he's His instincts need work. His brain needs a little bit work. Um, but I think Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbricht could really be the coach for him. And I think if he's there at 111, the talent is, is astronomical. Um, and this is a guy that's big enough and strong enough to hold up in the run game as well. Uh, he's got good length, uses his stack, uh, arms well to stack and shed, keep himself free. And when he's coming downhill and he hits you, you feel it. And I know that's really important to our coaching staff is the ability to to make people remember when they hit them. Uh, and Brandon Smith will definitely make you remember when he hits you. I'm hoping that he is there at 111 because I think it would be the perfect fit. You know, I, I think so as well, but I don't think he'll make it that far. It's wishful uh, thinking for sure. It, it might be wishful. Uh, just looking at his, his spider chart, it, it, it just fills everything out pretty much. It's it's a circle. Uh, he's in the the ninety plus percentile on most things, uh, which is wild. Uh, so yeah, he, he definitely fills uh, checks all the boxes uh, athletically and physically. Uh, I, I I like him a lot. Um, just watching him play, he's got the very good speed. Uh, plays sideline to sideline. Uh, he's got that thick frame with long arms, an ideal b- build for what we need him to do. Uh, and he flashes great strength just at the point of attack. Uh, I, I've seen him constantly in coverage. Uh, it's looked comfortable in man-to-man and in zone. Uh, so I, I think he can really do anything we ask him to do uh, and does fit that physical profile uh, more to a T than than some of the other guys like Christian Harris that we were just talking about. Yeah. Yeah, bigger, stronger, um, heavier, longer, just an overall better athlete than Christian Harris. And when you're a 9.99 RAS guy, you're a better athlete than almost everybody. So mm-hmm. that's not a knock on Christian Harris. Christian Harris is plenty athletic. But Brandon Smith was a five-star recruit out of high school uh, pretty much for this reason. And it's the fact that he is a supreme athlete. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't be this Right now, I have him maybe towards the, the end of the second, uh, early third round. Uh, so maybe a pick 69, uh, now is that, would that be too high for maybe this coaching staff? Maybe. Um, but yeah, he does check so many boxes that maybe it's just hard to pass up to, to, I I believe it would be too hard to pass up. Uh, it's certainly, it's certainly a possibility. Uh, I really think that our coaching staff is going to look at his profile and what he can do. And the fact that he also checks off the size box where that was kind of the knock with JOK last year is that he was smaller. He was about 6'1", 220, um, just a little bit smaller than how Robert Sala usually likes his linebackers. He likes them to be quick and aggressive, but for the most part, they're at least 6'1", 6' on a rare day, but usually about 6'1", 6'2", and at least 230 pounds. 
uh, or close to it. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where he goes. I could see it at 69. If it's an option, I have a good solid third round grade on him. So the middle of the third rounds, give or take round 75th overall. Mm -hmm. Um, so 69 isn't too far. Um, I could see him falling if teams don't value linebacker. I could see him falling because his instincts are a little bit lacking and he's a little raw right now and you'd have to teach him a little more. So it's a little bit of a project. Um, if he's there at 111, it's a no-brainer. I'd seriously consider it at 69. It's kind of funny that uh, maybe the league doesn't value linebacker as much as other teams. And we're a team that really values linebacker. And yet yeah. we don't really take uh, primary assets towards linebacker. We, we uh, just, or at least uh, Salah's, in Salah's case, most most of the time, these guys are third round picks, fourth round picks, five, fifth round picks. They're, they're not all top guys. No. So it, it's very possible that even a team, if, if there's a team like ours that really values them and pushes the, kicks the can down the road, then yeah, it's very possible that a guy like, uh, like Smith can, can really fall then. Yeah. It's, it's up in the air. Uh, it's another devalued position like running back to where you're going to have guys that, are way more talented than their draft selection will indicate solely because of the position they play where I'll go back again to Michael Carter. Michael Carter was the 104th pick in the draft last year, and he was definitely better than the 104th player, but he was a running back and he was a smaller running back at that. So you're going to have the position devalued. You're going to have teams slide them down the board um, and you're going to have other positions go higher and other players go higher, even when they really don't deserve to off your talent. So I'm, that's why I'm kind of holding out hope where would 111 be a fall for him? Yeah, it would. But I'm not sitting here thinking it's completely and totally out of the question just because linebacker is so up in the air from a position standpoint. And you also have linebackers are very specific to what teams run schematically, yeah. which is why we're going to highlight a certain handful of players here. And one of the guys we're going to talk about in a little bit, sneak preview of uh, Leo Chanel, Wisconsin, isn't so much of a scheme fit for the Jets, but would be a scheme fit for other teams. So Brandon Smith, you might have teams need linebackers and they might take somebody who's a better fit for them over Brandon Smith, just because he fits them better as a scheme. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see it. Uh, you want to go into Leo right now? Are you, you know what? Well, yeah, you know what? It. Yeah, we'll jump into Leo real quick just, while just, I did mention him. Yeah. Um, kind of expand on this point a little bit. So Leo Chanel from Wisconsin, uh, very athletic, very fast. Uh, he's really good coming downhill. Um, let me get his exact measurements up right now. I want to say he's about six, three, two forty, but let me confirm that. Um, got great speed. Like I said, six, three, two fifty. So yeah. Um, he had 34 bench press reps at uh, his pro day for a linebacker, which is ridiculous. Uh, he had a 40 and a half inch vertical at the combine, which is also ridiculous. Uh, so the explosion is there and it definitely shows up on tape. This is the thing with Leo Chanel. He is a three, four inside linebacker. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is just a difference in schematics and where he fits well. I'm not trying to bash Leo Chanel whatsoever in saying this because it's not a bad thing. It's just a difference in scheme and where his talents fit better um, from a schematic standpoint as to what the Jets run. Leo Chanel is really good coming downhill. He's really good against the run, getting off blocks. Uh, good luck blocking him with the tight end. It's just not going to happen. Um, and 
making plays against the run and fighting through the trash uh, and being a traditional kind of stack linebacker. Leo Chanel was great at that. He's got enough speed to play sideline to the sideline as well. Um, I def- definitely think that four five two shows up on tape. That's not just a testing number. Um, so he has the athleticism from that standpoint, but in coverage, he is severely lacking. He really doesn't have the instincts for it. He's a heck of a lot more fluid, agile, and fast moving forwards and coming downhill than he is going backwards or side to side. Um, And because of that, I think his best fit works best in a 3-4 defense as an inside linebacker that's going to be able to attack downhill, shoot gaps, find the lanes between the tackles. And if he needs to get on a guard and stack and shed, he can do that just fine. For the Jets in particular... I don't know if he's going to fit as kind of that outside overhang will linebacker or even a mic in our system because you need to have those coverage abilities and you got to be able to cover ground more so than just coming downhill and attacking against the run or attacking between the tackles. You really got to be a three direction player. Um, This is uh, talking about linebackers and coverage, specifically covering running backs. The reason it's so difficult for linebackers is because they have to defend the entire field. You have a running back coming out of the backfield. They can go to the flats. They can turn up field and run straight vertical in the seam. They can go over the middle. There can be a screen pass, a swing, and there's a bunch of different directions that you could have to go as a linebacker. And you're going to have to react quick enough to keep up. If you don't have the agility and the fluidity and space to cover that way, just naturally, it's going to be really hard um, for you to run that type of defense. So as good as Leo Chanel is, and I like his tape a lot. Again, I'm not trying to bash him at all. I think he's a really, really solid player, and he's going to be really good in the NFL if he goes to the right defense. But he needs to go to the right defense, and that defense Mm -hmm. is not the New York Jets defense. Unfortunately not. Yeah, uh, I loved his tape. I remember when I was... He's a great player. He's a great player. Uh, I remember watching uh, Tyler Linderbaum on on Iowa uh, and seeing that he had trouble (laughs) moving Leo around. Uh, So his power... Uh, is undeniable. His base strength is incredible, uh, and he's relentless too. So he's, absolutely, he's he's the kind of dog you want, right? Uh, we we talk about how we want dogs. We want p- uh, players that play with that edge. Uh, I think he definitely has that. Uh, but then, yeah, again, I don't. I, I agree. I don't think he can hold up to what we need him to do, coverage wise. Um, yeah, I mean he can he can really help us uh, against the run uh, and filling gaps. Uh, but, but there's value to that. It's not that, that means that nothing. Sure. But yeah, it, if he can't drop in the coverage and and be reliable there, if he, or more so if he's a liability there, then it really kind of cancels out what his uh, what he does bring to the table. Uh, it, it makes him more of a rotational guy than a guy that can really. Uh, step in and be a full-time starter. Uh, and that's really where he's probably going to want to go. He, I, I can see him going uh, in the third round uh, to a three, four team and being a, a starter where if, yeah, for us, it just, it, it's more just an early down guy, uh, a gap filler pretty much. Um, so yeah, I, I love the guy. Don't love him for us. And I think he has the athletic talent to get better in coverage and to become a player that can be serviceable in that area. I definitely don't think that this is a situation where he has no room to grow and it's not something that he can develop or, you know, get better at. He definitely has the athletic talent to do it, like I said, but the Jets aren't going to want to wait for him to learn. 
Yeah. The Jets aren't going to want to wait for him to figure out how to cover or have to teach him all the rules where we saw, um, again, from a philosophical standpoint, the Jets think it's easier to teach people how to stack and shed and how to play the run than it is to play coverage in their defense and to mm-hmm. have those natural instincts and fluidity. That's why they'll take two safeties that know coverage and convert them to linebacker and teach them how to be in the trash more rather than trying to take the guy that was the in the trash linebacker with a lot of talent and make him into the coverage specialist. I think it's from their aspect, it's kind of a you have it or you don't type of situation. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They, they know uh, what they can teach up better. Uh, what's easier to teach and yeah that's it, it's just the formula that they followed for a while now uh, and I don't see it changing no I don't either uh, I think that's a good transition to a guy that definitely does fit the defense from a coverage standpoint and maybe just needs a little more fine-tuning uh, underneath from there but go ahead and tell us about Chad Muma from Wyoming because he's one of your guys for sure ah Chad Muma uh, Muma is one of those athletic guys that really just jumps out at you uh, I've, I've loved him for a while. Uh, our, our good friend, David also is a, is a huge fan of him. Uh, he checks a lot of boxes, especially for what we were just talking about. Uh, as far as a guy that, uh, can really be hard nosed to against the run while also being good in coverage. Uh, so being able to check those boxes is, is really important. Uh, I love the way that he scraps over top. Uh, and that click and close ability to really just drive on ball carriers. Uh, While at the same time, having the athletic uh, ability and uh, the comfort to just drop in the zone and, and being disruptive in throwing lanes. Uh, I I like him a lot. Uh, Wyoming's not the biggest school, so competition isn't the best, Uh, but what he does translate. Uh, I can, I can definitely see him being a guy on our, on our radar uh, I see him probably being one of the one of the better linebackers and probably going a little earlier than I think we're willing to go. Uh, but just like Smith, he's another guy that just checks so many boxes. Uh, it's hard to pass on these guys, even if we if this coaching staff uh, thinks that they can really develop other guys. Uh, it, it's hard to pass on guys that are this good that do so many things that you need them to do. Um, so I would be hard pressed to pass on Muma. I'd be hard pressed to pass on Smith. Uh, but we'll we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, I I can definitely see him fitting our defense to a T. Yeah, Chad Muma. Um, and I'm trying to think if I'm going to sound crazy and if there's somebody that I'm not missing that's obvious here. But in terms of what they already do physically what they can do physically, and then what they already do technically and what they can do technically. Um, what about what I mean by can do is has the potential to do. I'm not sure there's another linebacker in this entire draft that fits our defense better. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm uh, even the guys at the top, as much as I love Devin Lloyd and Nicobe Dean, um, they're more traditional inside backers. Nicobe Dean is kind of like we talked about with Christian Harris, where he's smaller. He isn't the best at getting off blocks through traffic in the run game um, and might be better off in a defense where he doesn't have to fight through the trash as much and has a line in front of him that can open up lanes like the Georgia Bulldogs did and why he was so effective for them in that role. Um, Devin Lloyd, kind of the same thing where he's really good at fighting through the trash. His coverage instincts are solid. Um, He's a good athlete, but not an amazing one. And I think he brings more value as more of a pass rusher on third down. He's not some guy you're really going to have in coverage too often. 
But for what the Jets need at linebacker from a coverage standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint, from a sideline to sideline standpoint and playing the run, um, I'm not sure there's anyone that fits better than Chad Muma. My issue with him, I'm a little down, not down on him um, overall, but a little not quite as high as you and David are, uh, just because I think his instincts in the run game are a little, little bit questionable, where he just gets a little over-aggressive. And mm-hmm. he can overrun yeah. plays a little bit, and he's so fast and so fluid that he fires off full speed trying to get to the edge, and he gives back the cutback lane inside. But like we were just talking about, the Jets coaches can fix that. They yeah. think they can they can teach that a lot better than they can teach the, the natural instincts and the fluidity and coverage. And he definitely has that without a doubt. I really like his fit as an outside linebacker in this defense. I think it's a perfect one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if we're going to complain that he's too aggressive, I think that's a good thing. Uh, having Solid I'd rather care. somebody, right? Yeah, yeah that's, that I, sounds like what they want. Yeah, I, I'd rather them have that over aggressiveness early and be able to tone it down, or not tone it down, really, but control it rather. Uh, I, I think that's more of a recipe for success than having a guy that doesn't really feel sure of himself, and you're now trying to build confidence in this player. Uh, I I would rather take the the, the former rather than the latter there. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I could definitely see that. Um, there's, I think some of the other guys we mentioned is probably a little bit better uh, at, in terms of stacking and shedding as well. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I think he does a lot of things very well. Yeah, the things he doesn't do well are not deficiencies. It's not yeah. anything he can't do. It's just something that he has to learn to get better at and something that he'll get better at over time. Now, from the Jets aspect, we're sitting here going, you know, he's not as great against the run as some of these other guys. And the Jets were awful at stopping the run last year. And part of it was because their linebackers struggled to get off blocks. But I also think that that has something to do with the fact that their defensive line was really injured. And in this scheme, they want the defensive line causing a bunch of havoc. And if they're not causing a bunch of havoc, then it makes it that much harder on the linebackers. Mm-hmm. I think that it's kind of a work in concept, uh, work in concert idea rather than we need to get better linebackers who are better against the run. I, I think it's more of a everything will work together and sync once the defensive line gets stronger and they get more um, back to full strength. You're going to see the lanes for the linebackers open up more. I think it's all going to play off of each other, and I think Muma could fit really well there. Um, last guy I think I want to highlight here, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we were going to talk about somebody from LSU, uh, and that's Damone Clark. Very similar to Jabril Cox last year. Uh, very similar build at about 6'3", give or take 230, 240. Um, get his exact measurements here. 6'3", 239. So right in that middle range. Um, has really solid speed. Uh, is able to play the run really well. Um, took over for Jabril Cox wearing number 18. And for those that aren't familiar with number 18 at LSU, uh, you basically, a senior player, um, it gets chosen every week, every year on defense to wear number 18. And it is the symbolic leader of the defense um, award for lack of a better word, given to a player who's earned the right to wear number 18 on defense. Uh, Trey white wore 18 at LSU in his last year was another guy that had that uh, aspect on top of him. Uh, like I had mentioned Jabril Cox last year came in and wore that number um, and he's played in the sec. He's battle tested. Uh, he's able to hold up against sec linemen, which means he'll have no problem in the NFL. His coverage skills are solid. He's not, he's really good at everything without being elite in any one area. 
Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, he could potentially fall. I think it's more likely that Damone Clark is there at 111 than Brandon Smith. Yeah. But another guy that I would be all over at that spot. I think that's a solid value for him. Um, like I said, jack of all trades. Uh, he fits the scheme really well uh, from a size profile, from an athleticism profile, from a coverage profile. Um, and we know he's tough and, you know, he can handle top competition. I've really liked what I've seen out of Damone Clark. Um, not my absolute favorite, but again, looking at guys that fit, looking at guys that have the athleticism, the coverage instincts, the the clicking close, the tracking uh, speed to the edge, all of that. I really think that he fits really well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 he's another guy that kind of fits what we want uh, in coverage first. I feel like he feels very comfortable in coverage and zone or in man. Uh, and he has the athletic ability to, to hang with receivers also. Uh, but at the same time, there's still a lot of stuff that I want him to work on, uh, especially in the run game. Um, I believe he, his eyes can be a lot better. Uh, the way yeah. he, he reads uh, play fakes, I think he, he, he falls for them way too often. Um, he hates so misdirection. That, it's, yeah, he, it's not good for him. It's it's not great. Uh, so his instincts can can definitely improve a lot. Uh, that's also another thing. Like, how often does it, do instincts really improve? Um, it depends. I really think that for some guys, it, it takes a little bit of time, and then once the instincts kind of click, it, it's like look out. Mm-hmm. I look at yeah. um, oh god, Devin White. Uh, it was another LSU linebacker, funny enough. Um, I look at Devin White as a really good example of that, where Damone Clark is not nearly the athlete Devin White is. We'll start with that first and foremost. Um, but Devin White was a former running back who had only been playing linebacker for like two or three years by the time he was coming out of LSU. And you could see when he was reading plays in the run game that he still read plays like a running back um, and was basically anticipating where the cutback lanes were going to go and filling them from the other end of a line as a linebacker. And it got him to shoot some gaps really, really well and have some splash plays. And then it had some other plays where he'd be completely out of position and in the wrong gap. And the offense would take advantage of that over aggression. And I think Damone Clark is kind of similar in that aspect to once he gets more reps, once he gets more time in the pros, I think that those will start to, grow with time. And I think that they can improve. It's hard to teach that. And I don't think they can ever improve drastically, but I think you can learn to get better instincts. You can learn to be more sound in the scheme that you're running and learn tells to make things kind of click better for you overall. I don't think it's a complete and total death sentence. No, I I agree. Uh, Yeah. Maybe it doesn't improve to where he's uh, one of the best Right, uh, he'll never be Luke Keekly, but no. expecting him to grow into that is just unfair. Yeah, I, I, I think he can most definitely develop uh, into a player that at least won't be a liability. Uh, he, and then he still has all the other abilities that we covet, uh, the way he can click and close and, and crash down on, on, on running backs uh, uh, trying to hit the edge uh, like a tidal wave. So he's, he's got a lot of things going for him. Um, again, he's a guy that does need to develop though. Uh, so then it also goes that back to, can our coaches wait on somebody that really needs to develop, uh, or do we need to take more of a finished product? Yeah, that's going to be the question. 
Uh, and we'll see what the Jets decide to do and where they value other positions. And if this is going to be a spot where they look towards the later end of the draft and try and find guys that they can coach up, or if they're going to take maybe a more polished player with a higher ceiling that they could coach into a really, really good player. Uh, that's going to be left to be seen. Matt, you got any other linebackers you want to talk about, or do you want to jump into these safeties? Uh, you know, just one more. I, I want to talk a little about Mike Rose from Iowa State. Yeah, go for uh, it. So I didn't really expect much. when I, I, I saw him in flashes uh, just watching other players, uh, and I didn't really get a chance to dive too much into him until pretty late in the game. Uh, but then once I did, I came away a lot more impressed. Uh, he's not like the most fluid and athletic guy that we've talked about so far. Uh, not at all, really. Uh, but at the same time, he's very strong at the point of attack. Uh, he really fights through tough blocks. Uh, he's got good hands to to really uh, stack and shed and, and separate and gain leverage. Uh and even though he's not the most athletic guy out there, he looks very comfortable in coverage. Uh, he's got great soft hands and makes some wild catches out there. Uh, he, he's got good instincts uh, for uh, dropping into, into passing lanes, and uh, he, he really has good eyes to follow where he thinks the ball is going to go. Uh, he uses those instincts and really puts himself in a position to be disruptive in the passing game. Um, so, yeah, he maybe doesn't fit the athletic profile that we uh, have mentioned that we would really look at. But at the same time, he does a lot of the things that we really want a linebacker to do already. Uh, so as athletically, I think he it, it puts him more of as a backup. Uh, but what he does well, I think can maybe even drive him into a, a more prominent role. Uh, he's a guy that probably won't go early at all. I could see us taking him mm-hmm. in the fifth round easily, uh, and really developing him, uh, to, to be, uh, a, a, a real piece in this, in the middle of his defense. Uh, so I think he fits, uh, a lot of what, uh, they have done as of late. Uh, when yeah. searching for linebacker prospects. Yeah, he's interesting because he doesn't really play a traditional linebacker position for them. Iowa yeah. State's defense is a little a little wacky and that they do some unusual stuff where he's pretty much playing overhang, uh, which is, for lack of a better word, slot corner at 6'3", almost 6'4", and 245 pounds where he's so far out to the edge and he's playing with all this space for the defense where, like you said, he's really adept in coverage because he's been asked to do it so much. Mm-hmm. And you see a guy out in slot running up with tight ends and running up the seam in cover two, matching on slot receivers. You know, there's, there's a lot to like from a coverage aspect with him. Um, I am a little questioning about him in the run game where I think that's where his instincts kind of falter a little bit. But like we just kept, we're saying uh, with other guys that they'll teach you how to play the run and they want your instincts and coverage uh, on top of that. So I could see him as a fifth round option for sure. Um, I, I think he has the frame for it. Uh, he doesn't quite play to that 245. I wish he played a little stronger, um, but I do like his profile from that aspect. I do like his abilities and coverage. Um and I definitely think that he's a guy that will be available later to where we don't have to question of, oh, if this guy falls, he'll be a good fit. I think he'll be there if they want him. Yeah. And then it's more of a question of 
are these the kind of guys uh, that we can rely on? Like, like I just said before, like, I do we need to go for more finished products? Uh, which he would not fit, but he would fit more of what we did last year with like a Sherwood or Nazarene. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see him fitting from that angle. Um, really quick before we get to safeties, I'll throw one more guy in there and not spend too too much time on him, but I do want to talk about uh, Demarco Jackson from App State. Um, interesting in that I'm questioning his fit overall for everything, but attitude half the time because Marco Jackson, when he's on, when he's like full, full blown going and he's coming downhill and he's triggering and full speed, and he's putting all of his effort into the play. It's something to see his click and close and his ability to get through lanes before they close uh, and just smack ball carriers in the mouth. It's, it's really, really impressive. He's got like three rocket boosters up his butt when he decides he wants to. But then the question is when he wants other plays when he wants to, and there's plays where he has the speed to track a guy to the edge and he's barely jogging because the play is, you know, too far outside of him. And you really want that sideline to sideline linebacker to, you know, kind of play in that, that same aspect, but I watch him and I watch him move and I watch him come downhill uh, and his size and his frame and all of that. And again, from a movement aspect, not saying anything more than just a movement aspect and a frame aspect, he looks like Deion Jones. And I know that that's a guy that the Jets coaching staff likes because Jeff Ulbrich pretty much handpicked Deion Jones at Atlanta and coached him up to be what he is now. So I see the potential there from that aspect. I like his potential in coverage, although it's not the best. He has the fluidity for it. I think the instincts need to be a little bit better, but his change of direction ability is fine. It's just about lighting that fire under him and you know, getting him to go full speed all the time. I don't know if the Jets are going to like that. I think Robert Sala in particular is not going to be someone that likes that. And like you had said about Muma, where they'd prefer over-aggression to under-aggression. So I'm questionable about the fit from that aspect, but... I do like the when DeMarco Jackson is at his best. I love the best of DeMarco Jackson and how that fits for us. Yeah. When he's at his best, he's it's hard not to notice him. Uh, One thing that another knock uh, other than the, the hot and cold motor uh, is just his arm length. I think he's, it's pretty short and it, and it, it shows when he's not really squaring up his tackles. If they're a little bit away from his frame, uh, he does have a lot harder time uh, really uh, bringing ball carriers down. Uh, I've seen a lot of ball carriers just run right through his arm tackles uh, because he can't really wrap around them. Um, so I, I, he's definitely got a lot there to like, uh, especially as a pass rusher too. I, but at the oh, same yeah. time, are we really looking for a pass rusher from our linebackers? And that's another thing I don't think we are really more run support and coverage. Yeah, they get schemed on blitzes and they will rush the passer every now and again, but it's more about scheming the guys to where they have a lane to go through and not so much about them beating blocks to do it. Exactly. So uh, another fifth round guy maybe uh, to, to think about if we don't take anybody earlier. Right. And when you're taking guys in the fifth round, you're taking guys with some negatives. It's expecting there to be, you know, a perfectly fine prospect with no weaknesses in the fifth round is just not realistic at all. So it's you're going to if that's when you're going to be waiting to target that position, you're going to have some guys with some flaws. That's just the nature of the game. Exactly. But then it's just all about do you trust these coaches to to teach them? And yeah, I do. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I definitely do. We know our coaching staff and we talked to ad nauseum last year about their strengths with linebackers. And it's the same thing this year where it's the position that they've coached themselves. It's the position that they've had a great track record coaching. There's no reason not to believe that it's not going to continue. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get to these safeties here. Matt, who's your first safety? All right. I'm going to go with Michigan Daxton Hill. Uh, I watched a, a good amount of Michigan this year, and he really flashed a lot. Um, he played almost uh, entirely in the slot as a cornerback, uh, but he has a lot of strengths that I think can really translate to uh, to make him a good safety. Uh, he's got very good uh, speed and explosiveness. His click and close ability uh, is very impressive. Uh, he's got loose and smooth uh, hips, uh, really help him in the back pedal. Uh, and his eyes, his eyes are very impressive. Uh, I've seen him a number of times, just with the slightest glance, he knows to drop out of his coverage and attack uh, uh, another uh, wide receiver crossing into his zone. Uh, he has very good instincts. Uh, and he's very aggressive at the at the catch point too. Uh, he's got decent hands uh, to be a, a playmaker. Uh, when I'm thinking of defensive backs that could really thrive in our defense, uh, it's guys that can really uh, make plays off of maybe uh, tip balls or uh, misguided uh, throws uh, because uh, the quarterback's under pressure. Uh, and he's definitely got that has that ability to really recognize uh, where he can really make an impact uh, on those kinds of plays. He's uh, he's got the instincts to really put himself in position to really take advantage of that. Uh, he he sees routes developed around him. Uh, he's got a great feel for everything, uh, not just uh, one thing at, at a time. He's able to do so many different things all at once uh, and to have that quick trigger and speed uh, really allows him to, to do it all as well. Uh, I can see him making the transition to being a full-time safety rather than a cornerback, uh, but he's got the, the versatility to, to really uh, drop into the slot. If we need him to, we could put him in the box uh, because he does have the, that aggressiveness. He does have that physicality. Uh, I haven't seen a cornerback or safety have as many uh, tip balls at the line as he has uh, as a blitzer. When they blitz him, he if he knows he's not going to get there, he makes sure to get as tall as possible. And he's always swatting balls out of the air. Uh, he's just a playmaker through and through. I can I would definitely like him. Uh, I have maybe a late first round, early second round grade for him. Uh, so really it's about, does he fall to us at 35? Uh, he might, uh, safety is another position, uh, that is a little undervalued. Uh, so it's not impossible. Uh, and if he does, uh, I wouldn't mind if he's there. Uh, but there's a few other guys, uh, that, that could also drop to 35, uh, that have similar, uh, builds and athletic uh, ability, but Daxon Hill is, is a guy I really like. Yeah, I like him a lot, too. Um, he is a great example of when a great athlete has great instincts to match. 
because he's a lot better of an athlete than I think he's getting credit for. Cause everyone sees, Oh, he's more of a slot guy and you know, he's versatile and he's smart. And he can play all these positions, but he's like six foot, 198 pounds, ran a four, three, eight, had a 43 inch vertical in high school. Um, you know, this is a, a serious athlete where if he wanted to be a full-time corner, he probably could. And the ability to also play as a safety play in the slot play at other alignments. It really helps to his versatility. Um, my only thing with him and it's nothing again against him in particular, it's about how the jets run their defense and where he would fit. As we're going to talk about, as we get into these safeties, the jets really need a single high free deep safety where a guy who's going to be patrolling on the back end, who's going to be off the line of scrimmage, who's going to be playing center field, um, for their defense and their single high scheme, you usually have your classic free safety deep and you have your strong safety who's your in the box player, who's your matchup player, um, who's in the flats, who's over the middle, who's helping more in the run game as a force player, all of that. That's why they signed Jordan Whitehead. That's what Jordan Whitehead does really, really well and why he's going to be an excellent fit in this defense, a strong safety. And I can't wait to see how he plays because I think he's going to just I think Jordan Whitehead's going to be fantastic this year but he needs a running mate in the deep middle. He needs a running mate on the back end. And that's the one area where I don't know if you're using Daxton Hill's talents to their best abilities by keeping him that far away from the ball. Cause I love his ability as a matchup player. I love his ability in the slot, his ability to read receiver screens and trigger and match up against slot receivers and, you know, help the run from an outside standpoint. All of that's really good. I'm just looking at it from his talents. I think he'd make a really good slot corner in our scheme but I think the Jets already have their slot corners figured out pretty well. I think he could be a deep safety, but I worry a little bit about his ability coming from that far back and tracking ball carriers, because when you are that deep safety, you're the last line of defense and you got to be able to come from really far away and take good angles and get there on time, but also not overrun the play and lead to a missed tackle or any of that. I'm not sure if that's where he necessarily fits bets from that angle. So could he do it? Could he be a fit for the Jets? Probably. I think he's got the athleticism and the instincts and the, the football IQ to be able to pull it off and be pretty solid at it, but it would be a bit of a projection. Outside of that, looking at Daxon Hill in a vacuum, I really, really like the player. I really like his his versatility. Um, he's like the a better version of Julian Love from a few years ago coming out of Notre Dame where he was the same sort of build had some safety versatility played in the slot could play kind of that overhang role. And then eventually became more of a cover two safety with the giants um, and kind of a half field guy and did pretty well there. I think Daxton Hill has that same sort of ability, just better. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, like you said, he is a lot of projection. Uh, for us yeah, in particular, that, just yeah. for our scheme, not Daxton Hill is a project period. Cause he's not, he's very developed. He's very smart. He's very athletic. He's very instinctual, but how he would project as a free safety in our scheme is a projection because we haven't seen him do much free safety. Exactly. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if I would say that we would be wasting his talents because a lot of those talents, uh, could just be repurposed a little bit. Uh, it's a good to, way to put it. So I, I I could definitely see him taking everything that he does well and and just sort of shifting it a little bit just to fit what we need the most. And he can really find a little niche there. But again, it is projection. Um, so it's more, do they think that he can develop 
into what that guy that we need center, that center fielder uh, with the range and the ball hawking ability. Um, I believe he can. Uh, I'm, I'm confident that he can, but maybe there's other guys that are a little bit more uh, sure, uh, uh, sure footed in, in that role uh, there. And there are, uh, but yeah. if we're thinking of going a little earlier, uh, uh, we're betting on his, what he does uh, very well in his elite traits. Uh, I, I think we could do far worse. Oh yeah. I think so too. Uh, if Daxton Hill ends up on the jets, I'm not going to be upset with it at all. I think that he will find a way to make that switch work. The athletic talent is there. The, the instincts are there. Um, all of that is there. I'm confident that he would be able to, to fill that role and do it well and be a solid player. Um, not worried about that at all. Uh, but you had said that there are some guys that are a little better suited for that role. Uh, and that's going to lead me to my first guy here where in all seriousness, the closer we get to the draft, I think we're five days away now uh, as we're sitting here recording this. I'm getting to the point where I kind of want to trade up for this guy. Mm-hmm. And normally I'm not there for safeties. Normally I'm, I'm no safeties in round one. You know, you can find them later. But Lewis seen from Georgia is the missing piece to our defense. Lewis seen from Georgia is the, the final just catalyst that would make everything else work in, in such beautiful harmony that I, I can't even explain it. I'm going to try to over these <laughs> next couple of minutes, but if the jets get an edge defender at four and they get a wide receiver at 10 and they have both of their second round picks and Lewis scene gets past say 25 and again, not trying to think of any specific team, but that around range between 25 to 32, I'm calling those teams. And I'm seeing what it would take to get up from 35 to see if the Jets could get back into round one and make sure they secure this guy uh, on the back end of their defense. Because if they do, holy crap, is the Jets defense about to be really good. Lewis scene is like I was just talking about with Daxton Hill, where if you're going to be that deep safety and you're going to have to track balls to the edge and be that last line of defense, Lewis scene, no hyperbole is one of the best at being in a deep alignment and coming downhill and tracking ball carriers that I have ever seen in my life. It's, it's mind-blowing how fast he gets from that deep alignment to the edge or to the inside or wherever the ball was going. He's never overrunning the play. His angles are perfect. His closing speed is, is insane. And then when he gets there and he meets the ball carrier, it's like they get hit by a freaking ice cream truck. It is. He is such a hard hitter. You, he will stop you in your tracks. You don't gain extra yards. You don't fight for the last couple of yards and, and turn a, a short gain into a four yard gain with Lewis You go down the second he touches you. And then you factor in his coverage ability. He's got great range. His eyes on the back end are great. His closing speed is Awesome. The same closing speed downhill. He's able to do it in other directions. His ball skills are great. He's long. He's big. His ability to track the ball in the air and and see where it's flying and make a play on it from that angle. Awesome. He can match up and man on tight ends and been really good at that in the past. I think he could match up against some slot receivers, although it wouldn't be the best thing to his game. I think he's capable of doing it. And most importantly, and this is the last piece that I that makes him such a perfect fit and why I really think he is the missing piece of this defense. 
like I was saying before, ideally, you're going to want your free safety in this scheme and a guy who can drop down and play strong safety, use a little more better in the box player. The Jets have that box player with Jordan Whitehead. They need that deep guy to go with him. However, offenses are smart. Offenses are not going to sit there and say, okay, we're just going to let you keep that guy deep as the deep safety and have this guy here as the strong safety. We're going to find a matchup for him. We're either going to put someone in that spot that strong safety is going to be too hard to cover, or we're going to come out in one formation and show a strength of a formation to a particular side of the field. And we're going to run a shift and we're going to change our offensive formation before the snap. And we're going to line up in something different with a different strength and a different alignment that's going to cause the defense to be unbalanced. And it's going to cause the defense to have to rotate and shift to match that alignment change from the offense. And when that happens, sometimes safeties have to switch roles. Sometimes just the way the coverage changes, you're going to see the guy who was down in the box is now going to rotate and he's going to go deep. And the guy who was deep is now going to come down and he's going to be in the box. You can get into trouble sometimes when you have guys that are very, very defined as a free safety and a strong safety, having those roles switched. Because now you're going to have a guy deep that may not be as good in deep coverage that you can exploit over the top, or you're going to have a guy in the box that isn't good against the run where you're going to have to potentially worry about giving up the edge because your force player isn't as good. You put Lewis seen in this defense and you take all of that away because Jordan Whitehead is perfectly capable of being a deep safety. And again, it's not the best thing he's, he's good at. He's not the, the thing he's best at, but he's certainly not a liability. He certainly can do it. And a few times a game where if there's going to be a rotation and he's got to go deep, he'll be just fine. And you put Lewis scene in the box. You don't got to worry about your run game. You don't got to worry about your, your, your force to the edge. You don't got to worry about being a liability against a tight end or a matchup or having a guy be able to box out your smaller safety. Uh-uh, none of that he could do whatever you need of him to ask in this defense as a safety in either spot. And so could Jordan Whitehead. So now you have these two versatile defenders at safety that can both line up anywhere, depending on however the offense wants to line up. And they're both capable of filling each other's role. You're never going to get caught out of position. And you have another guy on top of Jordan Whitehead on top of Quincy Williams on top of CJ Mosley. That's an enforcer in your defense that will come up and smack you in the mouth and make you remember going over the middle is a bad idea. And you're going to have receivers drop some passes because they're scared of Lewis scene. They're going to be here in footsteps when they're having to run that third and seven slant. And they know Lewis scene is playing robber as a safety and he's coming downhill to meet him over the middle of the uh, field. They're going to know. So you have another guy that factors in as an enforcer. You have another guy that factors in on coverage. You have another guy that factors in on, uh, you know, run game and force player to the edge and coming downhill and all of that. And he's going to be last line of defense, not give up touchdowns. Good luck. That's not happening against Lewis Seen. I'm, I am really, 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 really considering making him my safety one over Kyle Hamilton. Mm. Just because I think his, I, and I, Hamilton's bold. Yes. Hamilton's instincts are better. I think outright range in terms of how much ground they can cover, I think it's similar. I think Hamilton's a lot bigger and he's a longer strider. His speed may not be exactly the same as Lewis seen, but it allows him to cover ground well and his instincts make up for that. But I'm looking at Lewis seen's potential and I think he could be Derwin James. And if you don't want Derwin James on your team, something's wrong with you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the possibilities with seen, uh, are strong and, and, and vast. 
uh, a lot of what you're saying at the end there with the uh, rotation also strengthens the point for Daxton Hill also. Uh, True. But we'll, we'll stay on scene for now. Uh, when, Daxton Hill uh, his, is a force player in the run game is a lot less, a lot more concerning than Lewis Seen. Yes, that's also true. Uh, the, not many people can do what Seen can, can deliver the message that Seen can. He's an absolute blur out there. Uh, he can sometimes just take over a game uh, with his dominated ability. the national championship. Oh, Alabama. God, it, it, dominated the amount of plays that he made in that game. Uh, it, it's it it's hard to to really uh, say that a linebacker or not linebacker, that a safety can have that much of an impact on a game. Uh, but I can th- firmly say that scene can have that impact on a game. Uh, so now it's more of an issue of where does he go? Is he a late first round pick? I think so. I don't think he makes it to the second round at all. I'd be really uh, surprised if he does, which is why I'd consider trading up for him. I, I would consider it too. Uh, but then there's the there's drawbacks to that as well. Now, if we're trading up, we'll probably have to give up our other second round pick. Uh, probably both I'd our be second okay round with that. picks. <laughs> uh, I think but, I'd be okay with that, honestly. I, I really think... Like I said, I think he is the missing piece of this defense. I think he is the last cog that is just makes everybody else better. You're going to have a guy that's going to help your corners because he's going to be able to play deep in coverage. It's going to help your run game because he's able to come downhill. You're going to give up fewer explosive plays because your last line of defense isn't missing tackles. You're not going to have a guy like Ashton Davis who's going to come to the edge and you're going to have guys be able to shake him in space and gain extra yards down the field. That's gone. Uh, he does so much for your defense that also helps the players around him as well as opening him up himself to make plays. I just, I, I love the fit so much. It would make it worth trading up for me. It, that's what, that's what really signs and seals this for me is that Lewis seen in our defense for what we would ask him to do, I think is better than just Lewis seen as a cover two safety. And so that's why to me, it's worth giving up that extra second rounder to make sure you go and get him because I think Lewis seen could be better for the Jets defense than say Nick Cross, who's another guy we'll talk about, and another a linebacker you want to fill in, say a Christian Harris. Yeah. I think Lewis seen himself is going to do more for the Jets defense than Nick Cross and Christian Harris would put together. Yeah. I mean, last year we barely had anything at safety. Um, so the the vast difference between what we had in 2021 and what seen and Whitehead can bring uh, are going to be so vastly could different. Could be the best for, safety do in the, in the NFL. They, they really years. could be. Uh, like that's the type of potential they would have. I mean, people think that the that they don't value the secondary, uh, but as you've pointed out from time and time again, we need studs at all levels, at every position, from safety to cornerback to linebacker to edge to interior. We yep. need studs everywhere. Uh, so we can't just kick this can down the road. We need this stud now because right now it's just Whitehead and Joiner as our starters. Um, I don't think we should can trust Joiner to be. No. He would our, get picked uh, on so fast. I mean, he, even though his best position is probably as a free safety, uh, we haven't seen him play in an entire year. Uh, and he's old. He's an older player as well. So yeah, seen the longevity, play, play free safety for longer than that. Yeah. It, so there's a lot of question marks there, uh, and this is a position that we need to shore up. 
whether it's uh, trading back into the first or uh, early second round, um, we we can't let this position uh, sit too uh, long when on on draft night. No, I don't think so either. Uh, I think I think one of the second round picks that you're going to spend is likely to be used on a safety anyway. So that's another reason for me where it makes sense to trade up because the gap between Lewis Seen and Jaquan Brisker is pretty big for me. The gap between Lewis Seen and Daxton Hill is decently big for me. And this is just my rankings and how I personally see it. But there is a cutoff for me where I'm looking at Lewis Seen as a top 20 player. I think Kyle Hamilton's in very similar, similar order, top 15 to 20. I'm looking at Daxton Hill and Brisker as early second round guys. And there's, again, doesn't sound like there's that big of a gap, but the difference between a first round player and a second round player is a difference. And so if I'm going to be taking Brisker at 35 and I'm not getting Travis Jones at 38, uh, you know, there's another, you know, hole where you'd have to find it. Who are you going to take with that other second round pick? I'm, I just don't see any combination of players being better than just getting Lewis Yeah, it's true. Uh, I think the more ideal situation would maybe be to trade back at four, maybe uh, if who they love isn't there uh, and getting another first round pick that way rather than trading up. Because I do love the idea of having four quality starters uh, using four premium picks uh, instead of just three. Um, I think we have that many holes, uh, but That's then, true. yeah, then it's more a question. Like you just said, who do we take with that second, uh, second round pick, uh, that's not too much of a reach along the interior defensive line. Um, right. Or, uh, right. would you one, rather have, would you rather have Daxton Hill and Perry and Winfrey or just Lewis seat? Uh, I'd, I'd probably go seen. Uh, I think I would begrudgingly because I, I do think we really need to fill uh, the interior defensive line. Uh, but yeah, at the same time, what, what he, what scene would bring uh, is just so valuable and hard to deny. And one of a kind. And that's yeah. the other is that there really isn't another guy in this, in this class to where you can say, Oh, well he does what Lewis Steen does just a little bit worse. Or, you know, he's it, it, there's not the the Lewis scene light that you can get at 69 in this class. Like he is one of a kind. And I think that's another reason it makes him valuable and worth trading up for. Yeah, I think maybe scene light would be Petrie. I think he does so many different things so well. Maybe. And I love Jalen Petrie. Jalen Petrie's my my safety three. So he's uh, a begin a higher than other guys than than uh, than most on Petrie. I freaking love him to death. But even still, I don't think that he has the same deep coverage ability where he could survive as a deep safety, but it wouldn't quite be what he's best at. Yeah. And Petrie's really good in the box, really good at playing in the run game, uh, being in the slot, being matched up in that sense, where it's similar to Daxton Hill from that angle. Um, but Lewis seen, like I said, his ability to be in that deep alignment and then come downhill to yeah. where if you Gotta are running... Off. Right. If you're running a toss play to the edge and Lewis seen is your free safety, I'm so scared for your running back. I'm, I'm so sorry for what's about to happen to him because you're about to have this 198 pound ball. Hawking blur. Missile. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, just ball of dreadlocks and tenacity, just coming full speed at you. Like I'm, I, that's so 
rare. His that trait that he has, his skill set as a a lining up at free safety in a deep alignment and then coming downhill against the run or swings or screens and and to track from that far depth from that far away, it's elite. It's elite of the elite. It is as good as some of the best safeties in the NFL that are deep safeties that come from that alignment. And it's why my comp for him is Derwin James, because I don't know of any other player in the NFL other than Derwin James right now that can do as much as Lewis Seen does and be as effective in the run game, as effective as a coverage safety deep, as effective in man on tight ends, as effective as an overhang in, in the run game, all of it. And then the speed and the closing, uh, the tracking and the angles and the tenacity on top of that, and just the the force that he hits that he hits with, I, I'm it's one of a kind. I could gush all day about Lewisine. I, I think we need to to move on to some of the other guys that we have here um, down the list that could be a little more likely options. But but I'm going to keep banging the table for it because I really think that it's such an important part to our defense that's been lacking for so long. And you have a guy that is the absolute dream piece of your defense that you don't have yet. I just think the matchup between player and scheme and an attitude and everything else. I mean, that is a guy Robert Sala is going to fall in love with on tape. That is, that is a, if that isn't a jet, if that isn't all gas, no breaks, I don't know what is like that. He is the definition of all gas, no breaks. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I'm going to go into Kirby Joseph, uh, but in while I'm talking about him, uh, maybe you can see if uh, if he if seen as one of the guys that uh, the Jets have met with at some point, uh, whether it's at the combine or the or the senior bowl or even just brought him in. Uh, We'll look that up. You look at that while I start talking about Kirby Joseph, uh, another uh, safety that uh, probably goes. Uh, a little later, uh, we've we've talked about a lot of the top guys with Hill and Seen, uh, and, and even Peachtree for that matter. Uh, Kirby Joseph is probably the next tier up. Um, I think he is a pure center fielder, much like Ham- Kyle Hamilton is. Uh, he's uh, very long. He's a six-one-two-zero-three, uh, but he's got great instincts as a center fielder. Uh, he's, uh, he, he gets, he covers a lot of ground. Uh, he's got a very, uh, quick and, uh, compact back pedal, uh, good hips, good hip fluidity. Uh, he's got great eyes. Uh, I, you, you can see him just going route by route, uh, and knowing when to drop off of one and go to the next. And then he's got the, the, the range. And uh, the the recover uh, ability speed to really catch up and and make the plays that he needs to as a, as a center fielder. Uh, he's very got very good hands. Uh, I believe he tied uh, only uh, Dane uh, uh, Bunton, I believe his name is from Iowa, uh, with uh, the most amount of interceptions this year with five. Uh, he's got a nose for the ball. Uh, we want guys that have that nose for the ball that can make those big turnovers uh, when we need them, because this is this team last year was not a team that turned the ball over that much. Uh, and a lot of that's because they just didn't have the talent up front to get the pass rush that we need to really draw out these bad passes uh, to where our secondary can really feast on them. 
if we're looking for a pure center fielder to fill that role as a pure center fielder, uh, Kirby Joseph is the guy that we should definitely be looking at. I have an early third round pick uh, grade on him. Uh, I could see him maybe uh, bumped into the late second round if there's a run on safeties. Uh, but again, it's not the most valued position. Uh, so I could definitely see him uh, lasting till the third. Uh, I, I, he does fit a lot of what we need, but uh, I would say if comparing him to scene, uh, if we are to rotate him down into the box, uh, I don't think he would have the, the same impact as, as seen because nobody would have that same impact. Uh, but he does uh, really take on that center fielder role uh, and does it very well. Yeah, he definitely does. Um, Lewis scene uh, to answer your question, you asked before you started breaking down Kirby Joseph uh, is one of two safeties to get any visits at all from the jets. The other safety that's got a visit is Tariq Carpenter from Georgia tech. Who's a hopeful safety linebacker convert. Ah, okay. So the only traditional safety they've met with at all was Lewis scene. They had him in for a private visit. So that says a lot <laughs> because this is supposedly a position that they're definitely going to be looking at. It's one uh, of their four biggest needs, as we've said for a long time. Yeah. So the fact that scenes, the only one, the only pure safety that they brought in, the uh, only it's one. probably a safe bet that they might be targeting him. Let alone, like you said, let alone brought trade. in, let alone brought in spoke to. Yeah. They didn't have any other combine visits. They didn't have any other workouts or pro day visits with anybody. The only safety that they have had any contact, official contact with this year, that's a true safety is Lewis. Take what you will from that folks. Yeah. Yeah. With a grain of salt, of course, because the there's plenty of examples of teams that never contact a player and then end up drafting them. That's not exactly, out, of, yeah. out of the ordinary or anything else, but it does that's show that the there norm, is actually <laughs> right. It does show that there is interest there and it does show that they are looking to get more information. Uh, but back to Kirby Joseph to, to highlight him. There's no one I'm hoping with to take more at pick 69 than Kirby Joseph. If the Jets don't get seen earlier in the draft, if they decide they don't want to trade up and, you know, they get into a position where he goes later in round one and they can't get him before the stop top of the second round, I would much rather take some other positions with those uh, early second round picks and hope for Kirby Joseph at 69 than say draft Jaquan Brisker at 35. Just, yeah. I think his coverage ability is really good. His eyes and his instincts are great. He has the range to be that deep safety. He's not going to be, again, I keep going back to making this comparison, but that's how good Lewisine is. Uh, he's not the same sort of hitter or, or player in space against the run or coming downhill in the same way that Lewisine is, but he's not bad there. He takes good angles. He's a good tackler. Um, and you're really drafting him for his deep coverage ability and his ball skills and those he has in spades. Um, I really think that he would be after Lewisine. I think the three best fits for safety for the Jets are Lewis Seen, Kirby Joseph, and Jaquan Brisker. And Kirby Joseph might honestly be my number two. Okay. Steven, now here's the thing. I feel like after Joseph, there is a significant drop-off in, oh, yeah. in, in uh, quality of player. Uh, so I think it's a dangerous game to really hold out for Kirby Joseph at 69. Because if he goes even a little bit earlier than that, then what do you do? Um, so trade up for scene and don't worry about and it. Don't worry about it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to come around to, to that idea. 
just go after scene and and worry about just go how get the, the rest guy. of it plays out. Just get the right. guy you want, get the guy you need, get the guy that would really bring this defense together. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, I'm not going to go too far back on that tangent again, but I would be 100% here for it. Uh, that's going to lead me to my last guy here at safety. Um, and like you had said, there is a bit of a drop-off, and this is a guy that I'm not as high on as some of these other players, but a guy that I definitely think could be available Um at least I would think off the tape. Apparently the NFL is higher on this dude than, than some other people. I'm struggling to quite see that myself, but I've been wrong in the past and it won't be the, uh, this I'm sure I'll be wrong again. Um, that's Nick cross from Maryland. Nick cross from Maryland has all the athletic potential in the world to be a great deep safety, um, great ball skills, great speed, uh, really quick coming downhill is able to trigger. Well, but my thing with Nick cross is his instincts and his awareness and his coverage ability and, and kind of just his play overall is so streaky yeah. where he has plays where he looks like a, a first round pick. He looks like a first round free safety where he looks, uh, you know, God, what's the name of the guy I'm trying to think um, plays for the Packers. I think he was also on Maryland when he was in college, Darnell Savage um, oh. where he's, when he comes downhill from that alignment and he makes plays over the middle and he's driving on dig routes or, or in a robber position and he's trying to jump over the middle and make plays on the ball. He looks really, really good at times where he's got some reps where it's, it's fantastic. He's got some deep coverage reps where he's playing as a free safety and he tracks the ball to the sideline, makes an interception on an underthrow, uh, you know, keeps his feet in bounds. There's, there's some great, great highlights with him. But there's also plays where he's playing deep safety and coverage and there's a play action and he's looking completely at the wrong receiver and he lets a guy run right behind him for a huge touchdown. There's other plays where ball carrier uh, uh, tight end gets a little flat out into into space in the flat and he's got to come from his safety alignment to come down and make the tackle and he completely and totally whiffs. Those issues for me are why he's a little further down. And I think the NFL is higher on him, I guess, from the rumor that I heard that I don't even know is is even true or not. But the NFL is probably higher on him because of his athletic talent and because they think that leave him in one spot and let him do what he's best at. And there can be, you know, something there. And there's I'm not disagreeing with that, but I am a little worried overall about his instincts and being that last line of defense at safety, especially free safety. You can't make mistakes mistakes by a safety cost of defense much more than mistakes by other positions. And so I, cause it's the difference between big gains and touchdowns. And I really don't want to see any more of the jets give up touchdowns because their safeties are not in the right spot or get caught out of position. So that's my worry with Nick cross, but from an athleticism standpoint, from a play style standpoint, from a ball skills standpoint, he fits what the jets would need for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the name safety. <laughs> you, you have to uh-huh. be a safe pick uh you have to be a safe talent being able to the team needs to be able to rely on you uh and yeah as of right now uh where he stands i don't think we can rely on him as much as we would need to uh so to me that drops his value uh but agreed uh, like you just said the the league uh is, is a little bit higher on them than than we might be uh so i feel like there will be teams out there that are willing to overdraft him. Um, so if we're desperate, I, I probably would still go elsewhere uh, just because I would, I would rather take a lesser quality player that is 
more reliable uh yeah. that you you somebody that you know you need to develop but has everything there and uh isn't as streaky um so yeah that that'd probably take me out of out of the take him out of consideration for me at least yeah i definitely prefer joseph if if the jets haven't drafted a safety yet and it's pick 69 and nick cross and kirby joseph are both on the board i'd much rather take kirby joseph just because i think on a down-to-down basis his coverage is more sound i think nick cross gives you the the splash playability maybe a little bit more maybe the he came from the other hash and tracked the ball and made a jumping interception 40 inches in the air and and came down with it that's where nick cross is going to be a little bit better but kirby joseph isn't going to be giving up the touchdowns in between Uh, and i think that's that's the difference for me it's like you said as a safety uh, it's in the name and you got to be able to be a safe player and cover for the players in front of you and i think kirby joseph does a really good job at that nick cross does a good job at that sometimes and if he was more consistent with it, I'd probably really, really like him overall. But that's just the inconsistency is just so hard for me. Agreed. All right, Matt, any other safeties you want to talk about or you want to get to these corners? Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, since I just mentioned that I'd probably go after somebody that's a little bit more constant with their game, uh, but maybe needs to develop more, would be Jalen Foster from South Carolina. Uh, Fill me in because I haven't heard anything about this guy. So he's a little on the shorter side. He's about 5'10, 5'11, uh, 195. Uh, so he doesn't have the, the ideal size that you want. Uh, but he's got great ball skills. He takes good controlled angles uh, to, to ball carriers. Uh, and he kind of just feels very comfortable in that deep position. Um, he's got very good range. Uh, he attacks uh, the catch point very well. Uh, he's got good instincts. His eyes are, are great downfield. Uh, and he makes a lot of plays. Uh, he flies around for that defense. Uh, he's a great downhill guy. He, he's constantly making plays, uh, even at, at behind the line of scrimmage, uh, or even in the, in the mix of, uh, in the, in the box. Uh, he's always around the ball carrier. Uh, I, I like those guys, the, the, the kind of guys that you always see flying to the ball, uh, even if they're not making a play, you see them making the effort play in and play out. Uh, he's definitely, uh, like I said, he's not the ideal build, uh, for what we might be looking for. Uh, but he does have enough there where I think he can develop into, especially that role as a deep, uh, center fielder. Uh, I wouldn't mind bringing him in as an undrafted free agent, um, or if we somehow uh, acquire some later round picks uh, in the sixth or seventh round, uh, Jalen Foster is a guy I would definitely be looking at. Yeah. Um, like I said, I hadn't heard of him. So I just quickly Googled him and pulled up some, uh, some numbers on him real quick. So I'm looking at that um, 5'10", 195. So like you said, a little bit smaller, um, a little bit of that Marcus Joyner build. Funny yeah. enough, another guy who went to Florida state and is also on the jets. Um so I could see that angle um, fitting. Uh, I really would like to get into his tape and see exactly for myself what it's like. But as an, a UDFA, a guy with tenacity, a guy with the effort and the energy for a smaller player to, you know, be a safety and come downhill and play strong, that's definitely going to appeal to our coaching staff. So I'm, I'll have to check him out because I haven't, uh, I haven't heard anything in particular. And like we said with linebacker, how high do they value safety? is we could be yep. sitting here saying trade up for Lewis scene and the jets in their front office could be saying, he's great. We don't care. We don't value safety that high. So it's, 
it'll be interesting to see where they attack this position and where exactly they fill it in. Because I think the only other time we've seen Joe Douglas draft a safety was Ashton Davis. And I think that was a little bit of best player available for them where they needed a safety, but no one thought Ashton Davis was going to be available in the third round. And it was mainly due to injuries and the fact that he couldn't test again due to COVID after that, that he kind of fell a little bit. So I'm curious to see where exactly they value the position and if this is going to be something they attack early on, which we think they should, or if this is going to be something they do a little bit later. If so, then this guy might be uh, might be a fit. Yeah, I mean, they did just get Whitehead, so they're not afraid to to pour assets into the. But position. they got Whitehead for such a steal. Like let's let's they be <laughs> let's be very clear here about the Jordan Whitehead contract because we said about it in our free agency um, show. I had said it was my favorite signing that they had made because of the value, and I'm. It's been a month and a half since then. I'm still right there. I haven't moved off that point whatsoever. The Jets are paying Jordan Whitehead half what the Saints are paying Marcus May. Yeah. It's like what they were able to get. Are you kidding me for a guy that's younger, for a guy that's less of an injury history, for a guy who makes more plays in the ball and is more effective against the run and is a perfect scheme fit. The jets are paying him seven and a half million dollars for two years. What? 7.5 million a year for Jordan Whitehead. Are you kidding me? Joe Douglas needs to be arrested. It is. (laughs) I, I can't. It's going to suck. It's going to suck really bad because at the end of next year, after Jordan Whitehead's a pro bowler, he's going to ask for a raise and he's going to, des- he's going to be deserving of one. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, he, his cap number of next year is about 10 million. So it's still he, too low for him. It's still yeah, too low. It's still but... a steal. Like, oh uh, yeah. It's just, God, that contract is so good. I cannot <laughs> wait to watch, to watch Jordan Whitehead in this defense. It's going to be so fun. Um, I kind of wish it was a bigger contract, but I guess that will come if, if he plays like we expect him. Yeah, that's that was kind of the thing is this is like the prove it deal of, you know, here's here's what we could give you now in this defense, prove that you can fit in this spot and then he's going to play fantastic and the Jets are going to go, oh, crap. Now we have to pay him top dollar, <laughs> um, but at least they have the safety of having him under contract uh, in, yeah. t- in 2023 where they'll have the time to to work that out. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I'm really excited to see how that goes. Let's get to these corners here. Uh, let's start things off um, with a little bit of a discussion uh, for our listeners there at home. I know Ahmad Gardner is great. I know Derek Stingley's pretty good too. And some people are a little down on him after his first season, but I've I'm he's growing on me a lot. And I've learned some things about LSU's defense and how they changed their their coverage schemes and kind of played a defense that didn't quite fit him as well. And I'm starting to come around on him a lot more uh, with the information I've gained. The corners at the top of the draft are great. We don't think the Jets are taking them. No. And this is just based on what we know about them, based on what we know about their system, based on what we know about what they value, there isn't an alignment there. I'm sorry, guys. It's just the truth. Uh, Let's look at things objectively and let's look at, at the truth of our team and the truth of what we do as a defense. We are a zone defense. We want to be playing zone more often than we want to be playing man on a down to down basis. It is cover three. It is cover six. It is variations of cover four, but it is mainly zone. And in a zone defense, corners aren't put at much of a premium because the skills of being a lockdown man-to-man corner that can line up against anybody is more valuable than a shutdown zone corner. When you're a zone corner, you're not traveling. You're not going and, and having a matchup against the number one and following him across the field. It's a different style of defense. Because of that, specifically Sauce Gardner, 
I don't think fits our scheme. Where if you want to look at it from the angle of, oh, he looks like Richard Sherman and he's 6'3 and he's got long arms and, you know, he can play in the boundary and be a fit there. That's true. None of that is wrong. And I'm not saying Sauce Gardner would be bad as a Jet. Not at all. I think he'd be a perfectly good player regardless of where he goes. But Robert Sala in particular is the only member of the Pete Carroll coaching tree that doesn't want big corners. He wants guys that are smaller, that can break on the ball, that can create turnovers, that have the ball skills and the quickness to adjust to the ball in the air, undercut routes, and make plays. That's just not what Sauce Gardner is. He is a press man corner that's going to be on the boundary that you're expecting him to squeeze his guys into the sideline and press and turn and run and chop down and break down on underneath routes if he needs to. That's his game, and he's really, really good at it. But it is not the game of, I'm going to be off in zone. I'm going to read and react. I'm going to drive on the ball and make plays and get interceptions that way. Is he capable of that? Sure. But it's by no means his strength. Same goes for Derek Stingley, who's more of a man corner. He's more of a press guy. Who's a guy that you want to line up and put him in press on the outside against the receiver and say, trail him all day. Those guys are great. They're rare. They're valuable. But for what the Jets want and the way they've invested in corner before, where last year, they had absolutely nothing at cornerback and didn't sign anyone in free agency and waited until the fifth round to draft anybody. The guy they drafted in the fifth round was a slot corner. They already had one. They, Gidry was the best corner on the Jets two years ago. Uh, Bryce Hall was starting to come out as a rookie. We are hoping that he could progress, but he had barely played. In terms of overall guys and talent, at that point, Javelin Gidry was the Jets' best corner. The first corner they took was Michael Carter the second, who played slot. After that, they take Brandon Eccles in the sixth round, who started practically every game outside of the view he missed while he was hurt. They don't value corner that highly. And if you listen to the Jets in their front office, they're telling you that by saying, we're always going to care about the trenches. We're always going to want to win up front. We're going to be strong on the offensive and defensive lines. That's going to be where we invest our talent. They're telling you guys, if you're willing to listen, they're not taking these corners that high. I just, it's not about them. It's not about anything wrong with Sauce or wrong with Stingley or anything. They're great players. They're fantastic. But the Jets aren't going to be interested. I I just cannot see a world in which everything I know about Joe Douglas, everything I know about Robert Sala, this defense, how it works, all of that, nothing tells me they are going to take a corner highly. So we're going to be looking at some guys that are going to be later on in the draft uh, that we're going to be highlighting because we think that's where they're going to target this position if they target it at all. Because Matt, I'm sure you can step in here and fill in. It's not like that they necessarily need a corner to start with. No, and maybe I'll play a little devil's advocate here. So even though it's not the biggest need to us, maybe it might be a bigger need to them because we think of this as more of a zone defense, but. Last year, they didn't have much of a pass rush at all, and they are forced to play more man, and they didn't really have the guys to do it that much. I mean, Halls was our best corner, uh, but at the same time, he didn't really make that many interceptions. I think he had one interception. Uh, so uh, the, I think this defense... Had, no, really... he didn't even have any last year. He has oh, one no, sorry, career that was the year before. That, yeah, that was he has one year. career interception. So this is a defense that really wants to take the ball away. It wants to put pressure on the quarterback, 
force them to make errant throws and have the, the, the cornerbacks that are able to use their instincts, uh, their eyes and their ability to break on the ball uh, to really put themselves in a position to take the ball away. And they just didn't do it that much. I think Eccles had an interception against Brady, uh, which he then Eccles got signed by Brady. Oh, yep. he did have two picks. Uh, what was, the, what pick was the first against, one? Pick six against Tua. Um, oh, it's Tua, that's right. And that was actually, I'm pretty sure that was his his second pick. I think his first one was uh, against Brady down the sideline. So, again, not to, to get too far off on your point here, they want guys that can break on the ball. They want guys that can create turnovers. So now our that's our Bryce number Hall. one cornerback last year with Hall, if he's not that guy, is Eccles that guy? It sounds like I there's think more of a Eccles competition. Is that guy. I'm, at, I'm at that calling my spot. shot, calling my shot right now on April. What day is it? April 23rd. Our starting corners this year are going to be DJ Reed and Brandon Eccles. And I think that worries a lot of fans that, Eccles is our number two and maybe a guy, even, even though it is sauce's strength to be a press man corner, he still has so much to offer uh, when it comes to his instincts as well and his ability to break off of routes and to fill zones uh, because he, he is that good. He is the number one cornerback for a reason. Uh, it's, it's, he does have the skills necessary to fill that void uh, as a zone co- corner while also having the ability to be a top tier man uh, corner when we are in man, because if we're, if our pass rush isn't what it is, what it needs to be, we're going to need him in man because we didn't have that last year, not in hall and kind of uh, a fledgling uh, ability of, of Eccles. Uh, so having, being able to, to play both, I think is a lot more valuable, uh, than some might think. Yeah, it definitely has uh, its value and I'm not going to downplay its value. And like I said, I think, uh, sauce Gardner has plenty good instincts and could be a good player in this scheme. No problem, but let's look at it. Like we've been saying a lot with these other guys. What are you asking them to do? And are you asking them to do something that isn't what they're best at and what maybe their best ideal role would be? Sauce Gardner has good instincts for sure. He's able to drive on the ball well. His click and close is good. He's agile for his size, all of that. But are we sitting here saying Sauce Gardner is so good as a read and react zone corner at creating turnovers that he's worlds better than some of these other guys down the board? No. That's not why we're all enamored with him. We're all enamored with him because he's 6'3 and got long arms and he's really fluid in man. He's able to jam guys and then read and react and change direction from there. We're all really loving him for his man-to-man ability. And I think if you're drafting Sauce Gardner and making him a zone corner, it's kind of like we talked about last last week with Tyler Linderbaum, where if you're drafting Linderbaum as a center to play guard, you're kind of doing him a disservice where you're asking them to do something that isn't necessarily what they're best at. And especially if you're taking a guy like Sauce Gardner, you're probably taking him in the top 10, almost guaranteed, if not taking him fourth overall. That's a lot of expectations you're putting on a corner to do something that may not be what they're best at. And you said something a couple of times when you were talking, Matt, that I think is the the nail in the coffin for this. If we can't get to the quarterback we're forced to change our coverage. 
So why not take the defensive end at four? Oh, absolutely. Why? Which I know you agree with that. Yeah. But from the aspect of, from the outside perspective, the Jets are viewing this as instead of drafting one corner to cover better, we'll get a better pass rush. And then all of our corners will cover better because quarterbacks won't have as much time to throw. They'll be forced into errant passes. They'll make easier or earlier and easier mistakes. There'll be more opportunities for our guys to make plays in the ball. They won't have to cover for as long. That's the idea here, guys. That's the idea here, Pete. Like that's, that's what they want to do. Put pressure on the quarterback, like you had said, force errant passes and let these guys use their instincts and eyes and click and close to go and get the ball and make turnovers. That doesn't happen without the defensive line getting pressure first. So I cannot see a world in which the Jets draft a corner before they draft a defensive end. Uh, if so they take a corner, there, though. yeah. We're, if, we're just saying if we take edge first, yeah. What happens if Sauce makes it to ten though? That's about the only scenario I could even see it as a possibility. And I'm going to be honest with you, Matt, with how our coaching staff operates, with how our our general manager operates, and the priorities that we have outside of defense, which is make sure our rookie quarterback is not going to fail in his second year. I think you got to go wide receiver. And I think that as good as sauce is, if you get your defensive end early and you're hoping these other guys that you have that are younger, Brandon Eccles going into his second year, Bryce Hall in his third year, you have those guys compete for the other spot. You're really hopeful for Mike Carter, the second. And if not, you still have Javon Gidry behind him it's a lot easier to make the rationale of we have some guys already. Let's see how they progress than it is to say that at wide receiver right now. So even if he gets to 10 and they go defensive end at four, I just can't see it happening because I think they have bigger needs. And I think that the jets know they have bigger needs and they know that the impact of a new defensive end fourth overall and Carl Lawson is going to do much more for their pass coverage than just one more corner would do. Agreed. Um, but again, they wide receiver was a big need last year as well, but they still prioritize offensive line over that because they're going to value the right. trenches. Uh, and they waited until the second round. They still got their guy in more. Maybe right, they, they needed a like corner they... really badly. They had no one opposite Bryce Hall at all. And they had Corey Davis, who they had just signed in free agency at receiver and still took Elijah Moore because they valued what he brought to the offense and his fit with Zach Wilson more than they did their corners. The Jets had, this is the thing for me, is the Jets had a bigger corner need last year, did nothing in free agency and waited until the sixth round to draft anybody. What makes anyone think that they're going to go and use a top 10 pick on a corner this year when they've added another body in free agency and they have more guys on depth that they think could have potential too? I just don't see it. Yep, and I I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm really just trying to force the issue here <laughs> oh i know you are you're, you're giving me yeah you're giving me back the the every what if that we're going to get questioned about this so we can just handle it in real time i completely get that but yeah. i'm just i just don't see it i can't see it from a schematic fit i can't see it from a team building fit with how this team operates i'd be i would be really really surprised if the jets take one of the top corners in the first round period, okay. regardless of who it is. And every time I see someone mock them sauce Gardner at four, I go, you don't know this team because <laughs> if you do, you would be, you would know that. Yeah, I, I completely agree, which is a, a, a lot of the reason why I think we were looking at more mid round, late round guys yep. uh, that can really just 
fill in as depth and maybe bring something there uh, because that's really what we need more is depth. Uh, even if, if Eccles uh, wins the job, Hall is, is pretty, is a pretty good number uh, two option uh, behind him. He's or your, if Bryce Hall's your fourth corner, you got a pretty solid group. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, but I, I would still want to go deeper because it's the deepest teams that go the deepest into the playoffs. Uh, and one guy I really like is Damari Mathis uh, from Pittsburgh. Uh, this guy is very physical. Uh, he is a, is a guy that can thrive both in man and in zone. Uh, I, I like him a lot in zone just because of his instincts and his click and close ability, uh, his his eyes, his, and he's very good at attacking the the, the catch point. Uh, he always gets his hands in there at the last second, rips away the ball. Uh, he's, he knows how to high point the ball. He uses the sideline well uh, as leverage. Um, he does a lot of things that I really enjoyed watching in Revis back in the day. Just the the way he, he uses the field uh, to his advantage. Uh, I, I, I see that in his fellow Pitt. Uh, alumnus at Damari Mathis. Um, uh, I think they're around the same size too. Uh, uh, they're almost identical because you would like you you said that, and now it kind of clicked in my head, and I'm kind of looking up their comparisons. Damari Mathis was five eleven, uh, flat, hundred ninety six pounds, ran a four three nine with a forty three and a half inch vertical. Darrell Revis was like almost identical to that. <laughs> let me let me get his exact numbers, uh, exact numbers here because it's very very similar. Darrell Revis, let's look here, five eleven and four eighths, so a little bit taller, two hundred and four pounds, so a little bit heavier. Ran a four three eight instead of a four three nine. Had where's his vertical? Where's his vertical? Had a thirty eight inch vertical. So less of a vertical, it's they're very similar, very similar. athletically and size wise. They're very similar. So uh, it, I see a lot of pluses in this guy's game. And if we're looking for a cornerback just for some depth in the the fifth round, I, I would love Mathis as, as our guy. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Uh, he mainly played slot corner for Pitt, but I do think he has the athleticism to play outside as well. Uh, his tenacity is fantastic. He has no fear of his size whatsoever. He will throw every pound of his body into shedding a block or making a tackle or coming downhill over the middle. Um, definitely has the all gas, no breaks effort that the Jets want in there uh, and everybody on their team, not just their defenders. But uh, he fits from that angle for sure. The athleticism is better than people were expecting. Uh, he did some really good job uh, in the process of the combine and his pro day, putting up some really great numbers there. Um, the only thing is that I think the Jets slot position is kind of a little figured out. So I'm not quite sure. Again, transitioning to a guy that I think is capable of doing it. But when you're asking someone to do something they haven't done, there's always a little bit of the question mark of transition there. But he's got the profile for it for sure. Um, probably going to be more of a middle round pick. I could see any time after, what do you say about the top 50? Maybe even a maybe that's a, maybe that's a little early. Yeah, maybe maybe top 65. Uh, or after the top 65 is when you start to potentially get him in range. Um, this is like we've been saying throughout most of our position previews. 
the Jets not having a pick between 69 and 111 sucks so bad because there's so many good players that would be fits for depth or not as high starting positions that would be really good fits for this team that are potentially going to be gone between that range. Uh, and Damari Mathis might be one of them. But if he is there at 111, I think, like we've said, with a handful of these other guys at different positions, if, if he's there, the talent's going to be too worth it to pass up. Absolutely. All right, last guy of our position previews here for the 2022 season. Uh, it has been a lot of fun. We've had some interruptions in the meantime uh, that have forced these into some longer form episodes, but it has been a good time nonetheless. And I am very excited to end our position preview with Alante Taylor from Tennessee. Um, like I was saying with Sauce Gardner, are you? do you have other guys in this class that have good instincts and eyes and zone and can click and close and drive on the ball and make plays? Very similar to how Sauce Gardner can do it. Yeah, you do. And Alante Taylor is one of them. Um, this is a guy that has played in the system, that has mainly played in the cover three defense at Tennessee as a boundary corner uh, and played really well there. He's a couple of reps. I think it was against Florida, if I'm remembering correctly, where just literally it almost looks identical to Brandon Eccles pick six to Tua, where he's playing cover three and off uh, against an outbreaking route. And he's able to just drive on the out route, come downhill, intercept it full speed and take it to the crib. He's got that ability. His issue is a little bit of over-aggression where he bites a little too easily. He can get himself caught out of position that way. I wish his eyes were overall a little bit better, but the athletic talent is there. He's got good size at six foot. He's about 190. Um, I think he also hit 4-3, if I'm remembering correctly, with his uh, 40 at the combine. Let me pull that up four, real three, quick. 4-3-6. Uh, 4-3-6. Yeah, that'll, that'll play. Um, (laughs) that'll absolutely play in the NFL, especially at six foot running a four, three, six, that'll do it. Uh, no questions about that. Um, he's a senior player, uh, at Tennessee, Tennessee has been through some, some struggles recently, uh, and has been one of their captains and one of their leaders the entire time, never left and went to a different school, uh, played in the sec again. So, you know, that he's gone against some of the toughest receivers played one-on-one against Jalen Jamison Williams and and held his own on a couple of reps there. He's had a bunch of reps against quality players. He's experienced. He's smart. Um, Instincts. I wish again, were a little bit better. He's a lot better pre-snap than he is post-snap, but I think you can work on that. I think that can get better in our scheme. And for a guy with enough size on the outside, the speed to run deep uh, and the ball skills and the click and close to make plays on the ball underneath. I really think that there's not many people down the draft that are better than Alonte Taylor. Yeah, he's he's a very well-rounded corner. Uh, he does so much so well. Uh, does he have uh, areas that he needs to improve on? Absolutely. Uh, but again, we're, if we're looking for depth, uh, I think we can do far worse. And I, as a depth guy, uh, we're going to need him to play special teams. And I think he he's actually a great thrived on, on, on special teams as a gunner. Excellent uh, gunner. Excellent gunner. Uh, so the value there is, is, uh, is probably something that's, uh, that's can be overlooked, but shouldn't be. No, not at all. Brant Boyer is going to love that. Brant Boyer is going to absolutely love his ability as a punt gunner and as a kickoff gunner as well. Um, just that straight line speed where he can come down at four, three, six with good height and good length and be able to keep himself free and, and go and, and make plays, uh, on special teams as well. I really think that he fits the, the attitude again. The the all gas, no breaks attitude. We know he's a leader. He's one of the most respected players at Tennessee. I'm pretty sure he was a team captain there at some point uh, for the Joe Douglas people in the building. Um, having another team captain. There you go. Um, 
he's got the attitude that he played special teams his entire time at Tennessee was there when they weren't necessarily winning and was still fighting. Dever showed on tape that he was taking plays off or anything like that. I think he's going to wow in interviews. Uh, I think he's exactly the type of guy the Jets like, and that's why I really think he'd be a really solid fit. Me and uh, James Wighouse, uh, spoiler alert, who will be joining us next week on our War Room special as our third guest. Um, he's been one of our favorites for a long time now, uh, going back and forth with him. He's kind of a sleeper, middle-of-the-round uh, corner prospect that we both really like. I'm a big fan of his game. I'm going to be hope following him wherever he goes in the league just because he's been one of my favorite players of this process. That's also a fun thing that many people don't, realize that there's players that you kind of latch onto that you fall in love with and then they go somewhere else. Your team doesn't draft them, but you still kind of follow them because you still root for them because everything that you saw in the whole scouting process really just sticks with you and yep. you really just wind up rooting for them no matter where they go. Yeah. That was quitty pay for me last year. I, I loved, or was it, it was either last year or the year before. I don't remember when Quiddy pay came out. I think it was last year, but um, yeah, I loved him and I loved his ability. I loved his athleticism. I loved his story. Um, and then he went to the Colts and it was like, Oh, I would have loved for him to have been a jet, even though there really wasn't, you know, much of a possibility of him ever being a jet, but I'm, there's guys like that in the process that you definitely get attached to that you root for that you find out their story. Um, and you know, you really, you want them to see them succeed. Um, the guy like we talked about last week and Josh Pascal is going to be one of those guys for me this yeah. year, knowing his story and knowing what he came from, um, regardless of where he goes, I'm going to be rooting for him for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that are just easy to root for just good guys, solid guys, love the game, come from, from struggles, have uh, whatever goes on in their lives. And then they just persevere, uh, easy guys to root for. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite part about favorite parts about scouting in general is finding the the storylines of the draft class that nobody people know and finding the little nuggets on players like Abraham Lucas getting a noise violation for blasting Slayer on his guitar in his dorm room <laughs> at 3 a.m. one uh, one year as a freshman at Washington State. Like that's a great story. Absolutely. Like that's like that's a guy you hear that and you go, okay, yeah, you're an offensive lineman. Let's get it. Like that's I, I love hearing that stuff. That's honestly some of my favorite parts about this uh, and been, beef jerky. and right jergensen's beef jerky beef jerky are you kidding me that's excellent <laughs> i'm i'm i love stuff like that this has been so fun going through all of these positions getting our previews down uh i cannot pretend that i am not excited to be finished getting through this draft class and nearing the end of the draft season but it has been a ton of fun. We have an amazing, amazing episode planned for next week uh, when James joins us for our War Room special. For those that weren't here last year, I'll go ahead and fill you in on that. Uh, last year, we did a live mock draft uh, where we as a group sat down, went through each of the picks, used a mock draft database that got an aggregate view of all the mock drafts on the internet to use our rankings and kind of in real time mocked out how the draft was going to work for the Jets based on who we thought was available, made picks collectively as a group and came away with our draft class. It was, in my opinion, the most fun episode we've ever done. Oh, I know yeah. Matt feels very similar. Exactly. Um, we are very, very excited for James to be joining us this year. It's going to be even bigger and better than ever. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening. Until then, we're going to drop our handles and go ahead and wait the next handful of days until the draft. Matt, let's go on and get out of here. Um, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets. And make sure you guys find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17 and also follow along at OKD Podcast. Check out James in the meantime at BSB Breakdowns as well. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, it has been a struggle. It has been a grind. It has been a slog getting through this draft class and this draft season. We are almost done. We are nearing the finish line. I cannot wait to be breaking down all the new Jets in about a week's time uh, and really see how this team is going to be looking for the future. Thank you again so much for listening, and we will be back real, real soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.